Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. And I think as a leader, that's your number one goal is to be a learner and to lead others in whatever it is you're learning. Because if you, especially in this day and age, if you are a leader and not a learner, you've got a pretty short shelf life. Well, you're welcome to the Five Leadership <laughs> Questions podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins. And I'm here today with Chandler Vinoy and Josh Hunter. This is not your podcast, Todd. This is the uh, Unseen Leadership Podcast. It's on, it's on my network. <laughs> it is very true. It was my well, idea. Oh, my God. Is, that is not I, true. You know, that's it debatable. is true. That's the not true. And I put the two of you together. That was your you, best idea. You did suggest Josh and I to host together, but the Unseen Leadership Podcast, you, you signed off on the idea. Vinoy, Vinoy originated the idea, then Hunter no. and Vinoy dreamed the idea, no. and made it even better. And Vinoy Todd, brought you just a, veneer, a veneer of an idea. Pride comes before a fall, Todd. Pride comes before a fall. <laughs> well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership <laughs> Podcast, not Todd's podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here with Josh Hunter. Yep, and then this is what happens when you interview your boss because Todd's not technically my boss, but he is my boss because I'm a host on one of his podcasts <laughs> that he oversees. He is officially my boss. So we have, we have started late. We have bantered about random things. We bantered before we started the podcast. So this is how it always goes with Todd. But Todd, excited to have you on today, man. How are you? Uh, I am reasonably well. That's good. If you guys don't know Todd, a little bit about him. He is director, director, excuse me, of Lifeway Leadership, um, and that's a department here at Lifeway. They do a lot of great stuff. Um, he's the host of the Five Leadership Questions podcast, which is an awesome podcast. If you haven't listened to that, you are missing out. And a host of the New Churches podcast. The man is also a Twitter legend. He's got like <laughs> several hundred thousand followers. That it doesn't you know, matter anymore. Twitter yeah. completely messed up their algorithm. So. It actually is. It it actually hurts you. Oh, oh it actually laptop. hurts you to have a lot of followers yeah. now. This is the COVID struggle. His laptop just fell from his <laughs> book just computer. Just stand. the real behind the scenes here. We are recording on a platform that's audio only, so we are all FaceTiming from our other devices. So this is what happens when you are working from home with COVID happening around you. So it's hard. There are real struggles. One of the one of my favorite things about Todd though is that he loves leadership and he loves pipelining and developing leaders. And he's done that a ton with me and Chandler, taught us a lot. And so really just so excited to learn from you today, bro. All right. Well, we do have to ask this question, Todd, as <laughs> you know, you, you tried to claim that this was your idea. Have you ever listened to an unseen leadership episode? Yeah. All the way I through. Think I listened not, to not a couple minutes, all the way through. I um I have listened to a couple, um, mostly because I was scared of what Josh would say with that particular <laughs> guest and was trying to figure out if we could actually air it. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. There's been a couple. There's not been just one, Josh. There's been a couple. That is very true. Chandler is the tame one. I'm definitely one to 
poke the bear if, if there's a bear to be poked. Todd, you know, thinking back, this actually is not your first Unseen Leadership podcast because we did the Christine Kane crossover five leadership question on Unseen. Yeah. So you have listened to one yeah. because you're on it. There you go. I've got, go. I've got problems with that, by the way. <laughs> I, was, I totally got nudged out in that one. I'm just saying. <laughs> but you're the boss, Todd. I'm sorry. Thank you for giving me the opportunity that I have. He can take it away, so be careful. <laughs> let's go. Let's talk about something important. All right. Well, Todd, let's let's walk in here. I know Josh and I both know your background um, before working at Lifeway. Uh, you, you served in the local church and student ministry and as a campus and executive pastor at McLean. So can you walk us through a quick overview of the different leadership roles you've been in over the years that led you to where you are at Lifeway? Well, it, it really all started when I was just a twinkle in my father's eye. Um, <laughs> if y'all could see his face before he asked, he started smiling. And I just knew. <laughs> okay, no. Um, so, believe it or not, I was 19 when some really crazy, desperate people allowed me to uh, come be a <clears throat> student slash children's pastor in a... <clears throat> in an inner city church in Cincinnati. Um, from there, I was there for a couple of years, two and a half years, then went to a larger church, kind of as an assistant student pastor, uh, then spent a lot of time doing camps. I mean, years of doing uh, camps with huge Kentucky Baptist camps, um, a lot of different camps. Anyway, I get to seminary and then find myself in a position where I was the interim adult guy at a church of about 1500 um, for a while. I was supposed to get that role. Um, like I ended up changing, switching from MDiv to just a master's of Christian ed and leadership in order to, you know, fill in that role. Uh, but the senior pastor didn't have enough change in his pocket to actually make that happen because he was younger and he was newer too. Um, so I, not lacking in great amounts of spiritual maturity, uh, I then go to Cincinnati to start a student ministry with Eric Geiger. And that was really fun. Um, I could tell many stories uh, about that, um, but we ended up with a five to 600 um, person student ministry in a church that had maybe two or 300 adults. So it wow. was wild and, and crazy and fun. He then goes down to be an executive pastor uh, in Miami. I then take, o take over the whole thing for a year or so. And um, let's just say that when I was a student pastor, I was not successful because I was a good preacher. I was successful because I was good at developing and, and uh, democratizing development among the adults and the students. They were not coming there because I was a good preacher. I'll mm -hmm. tell you that. <laughs> Which is why I never became a senior pastor anyway. <laughs> so then I go to um, McLean Bible in DC and I barely get my foot in the door. What had happened to me was um, two weeks before I was supposed to get married, I go and uh, interview with another church there uh, in DC, Cherrydale. Great church. Still love those people. Um, but, and they said, you've got the role and here's the package and everything. And I go back and, you know, about to get married. Uh, and they call me the next day and they're like, Hey, one of the elders was awakened or something last night. And, um, we, we have to have complete agreement. And, and he says, you're not the guy. 
So you're not. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew I was supposed to be in D.C. because you change D.C., you change the world. That is where the world sends its leaders. Young mm-hmm. leaders from all over come there and, and all over the country. And so I'm like, I've got to be. This is where I got to be. So I had asked who's killing it. And they said McLean and specifically Frontline and McLean. So I just looked and found any role that I could with that church. Uh, and there was a director role. And I'd had eight years of ministry experience by this time. And, you know, now two degrees because I did go back and get my MDiv. Um, <laughs> two two postgraduate degrees, you know, from a seminary and all of this thing. But they would not hire. They didn't want to hire me for a director spot. Um, but we're willing to hire me for a, um, like a lower level associate ministry spot now, because I was from middle of nowhere, Kentucky and, you know, the senior pastor lawn, he didn't think I would, you know, maybe survive swim with the sharks in DC, as he said. So, um, I got my foot in the door and six months later, I launched McLean's first campus. I was the campus pastor there. And so, um, needless to say. I'm a systems guy and people know that. Um, and so, man, I don't, and a serial entrepreneur. So seeing that opportunity, that was 2004. Um, seeing that opportunity, I think was, was a, a part of it. And then just being willing to make it happen with one other person. We launched campus with one other person. Um, and it was in two services the first week it opened and it's still, and two services today. It's on a Monday night in Arlington. Uh, and I'm, I'm just really proud of that. And if you ask anybody there, they wouldn't know who I was. <laughs> and I think as leaders, we need to be ready for that to happen. Um, you know, was uh, one of the two executive pastors at McLean Bible. And unless you were on staff or in a key leadership role, you didn't know, you didn't know me either. Mm-hmm. Um, and from my perspective, uh, you know, I think on my top of my Twitter feed and I'll leave it there forever uh, is, you know, leadership is really understanding that your fruit goes on other people's trees. Mm, so and good. so that's what I've tried to practice in every role that that I've been in, that it's going to be better when I leave and it's going to be better because I'm going to elevate somebody who's better than me at doing it. I'm going to find them develop them to where they're better than me. And then I'm going to, I'm going to step back. So I want to, I want to follow up on, you, you mentioned when you're going to McLean, you, you had student ministry experience, but they, they said you can't swim with the sharks. Uh, you know, they didn't know if you might relate with that culture and really fit in. So, you know, there might be some listening who are, who are entering into a different type of culture than they're used to. It's new to them. How did you, you know, learn about DC? How did you, you know, I think of the book first 90 days and it talks about, you know, get to know the key stakeholders. What was kind of your game plan going in there? And then even what were some mistakes that you made that you would tell people to avoid? Um, so my wife would say that um, she reminds me sometimes that manipulation is not a spiritual gift. Um, <laughs> But I have, um, I don't know, from an emotional intelligence standpoint, I think, I think I've always been um, able to see an organization and processes and connections, maybe that other 
people don't see. And that would be understanding the both the formal lines of leadership and the informal lines of leadership in an organization, because they're both really important. And so, you know, there, there are some people that will be really upset when, you know, another person gets a, a broader ministry role and they've been around longer or, or whatever. But that, the other person probably just showed more depth of understanding of the organization and the organizational culture and how things really work. And that's not saying playing a game. I am not talking about playing a game. And again, people that know me or, or work with me know that I'm extremely direct. Um, and you, you don't have to wonder what I'm thinking. I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. It is just understanding that, understanding who you are uh, is is super important and what your strengths and weaknesses are. Understanding the organization's strengths and weaknesses, understanding what they really care about and aligning yourself in such a way that you do the most damage with the role that you're in. Now, especially when you're a younger leader, there's certain things that you just have to get done, whether or not they're strengths or weaknesses or, or whether your personality is supposed to be good at that um, or not. You, you just have to do those things. You have to show competency in that so that you can go. So Todd, you talked about how you're a systems guy. I'm on your team. I know how you think um, and kind of how your mind works. For you, when did when did you realize leadership and that type of thinking was a strength of yours and something that you enjoyed? You know, you kind of talked about you you never became a senior pastor. You realized where your strengths were were more of the executive pastor leaning. How did you figure that out, and what did that look like when you discovered it? I, I honestly think a lot of it happened in seminary. Uh, there were three different people that really spoke into that and brought that um, out in me. And so the weird thing was like, this is again, almost 20 years ago now, um, but there was a strong leadership school where I was so that it was education and leadership. And so um, while people that knew me in, in high school would say, you know, I was a I was a good guy and I ran with, you know, a lot of leaders. I don't know that they would have said, oh, Todd is Todd's a leader. Um, I don't think it would shock them at the same time. But the, the big thing that was called out in me during that time was I was a voracious reader. Um, and I was really obsessed with having an an impact on wherever I was. So I was reading a lot of leadership books that were outside of the seminary reading I had. And even um, Brad Wagner uh, was the dean of the school and a mentor of mine. And I blame him for some of this because he would let me read books like Leadership Engine by Noel Tichy. Leadership Engine is a big, big deal when it comes to how it formed my view of what leadership pipeline should be and look like. And so he let me read that book instead of one of the books he assigned. And so I would come to him and be like, okay, you assigned me the church handbook of administration, but can I read, you know, these two books instead and tell you how it applies and write a paper on how it applies to church mm -hmm. and ministry. And, um, I, I, he saw something in me that that he allowed me to do that. And then Eric Geiger was sitting in the front of the room 
um, in those conversations. So we would, we would feed off of each other and um, we would challenge each other and, you know, working with him, I've worked with him a couple different times. I'm always better when I'm with him. Uh, there's some element of competition there, uh, <laughs> unless he's your boss and then you have to be careful. But we've always been that way. We've always fed off of each other really well. So I would say it was it was during that time as well when I mentioned earlier I was uh, an interim adult guy. Well, I was also doing sermon research for that pastor, and in addition to sermon research, he was um, he was helping me learn to read even more because I was consolidating. I was taking the books. So this is really funny. I hadn't really thought about this until right now, but you guys will totally say this is this is Adkins all the way. So I would, I was getting paid by the church to do, you know, some of these extra things. And so I was, uh, part of that was helping him with sermon research and also just research in general. It would be, hey, tell me, you know, architects that have done churches uh, this size within 200 miles. Um, and so I'd track that kind of stuff down. But the books that I was reading for seminary and writing those papers, I was also creating executive summaries for Troy. And, um, and so it was killing multiple birds uh, with one stone, but learning along the way. So I did mention uh, Noel Teachy's leadership engine. So one of the foundational pieces in there is every organization is really a knowledge organization. And everybody in the organization should have a ver should be involved in a virtuous cycle of learning and teaching. And so for me, that's always been a part of of who I am. And even in that scenario, um, I'm just consistently learning and teaching, learning and teaching. And I think as a leader, that's your number one goal is to yeah. be yeah. a learner and to lead others in whatever it is you're learning. Because if you, especially in this day and age, if you are a leader and not a learner, you've got a pretty short shelf life. That's really good. You've talked about reading and it seems like that was a really good habit you developed as a young leader and I know you're always walking around the office recommending books to to me and Chandler and everybody you see but if you could go back you know to you being a young leader and you had a great habit of reading but what book do you wish someone gave you when you were just starting to lead if you had to choose one well I mean for me I do have some favorite of all time books and then there's you know books that were good enough for me to finish from today um, are some of my favorite books. So I just did a course on, um, you know, realigning and um, relaunching your church, you know, kind of a thing. And it is not another expert telling you how to do church. Mm -hmm. What I do is I get you clarity on where you are and give you a process to walk through with your team. Okay. So um, that the book that, really spurred that idea was a book called Beautiful Constraint. And it's about understanding that creativity and boldness and innovation do not come from an abundance of resources. It comes from constraint. And it, knowing that, I think earlier in life would have been important. I've always been a guy who figures out how to do something when I need to do it. Necessity is the mother of invention after all. So Chandler can attest, 
I'm, I mean, like you guys can attest right now, what am I standing in front of? <laughs> a big old whiteboard. A whiteboard with eight by eight, scratch. eight by eight whiteboards. Because two weeks into this, you know, shelter in place stuff, um, I go to Lowe's and I buy two pieces of shower board and some, <laughs> and some framing and I make whiteboards because I'm going to have to film. And so, you know, if I'm going to film a course for pastors, I, I got to do that. You should see the setup I'm in right now. Uh, and it, it is really understanding, um, embracing constraint early on, I think would have been big. Like, again, I mentioned, uh, you know, cutting the, cutting the bottoms off trampolines and, and painting them with reflective paint and making screens out of it when I was a student pastor. And I did that because I didn't have the resources yeah. That, yeah. that I needed. <laughs> and so I think embracing that early on, but it, having a framework um, to understand why and be more intentional with that as a strength would be, would have been big. Well, if you know Todd and if you ever walk into his office at Lifeway headquarters, the amount of ideas and <laughs> he looking he's looking crazy in his office. That's all I gotta say. There's 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 a lot of random ideas. I don't know how he puts it all together, but there 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 really is a lot of ideas that he comes up with. And that book is called A Beautiful Constraint by Adam Morgan and Mark Barden. If you guys are interested. Todd, we read that together actually, I think last year or a couple of years yep. ago or whatever. It's a good book. Todd, what was your biggest misconception as a young leader? My biggest mi misconception was I thought I was a leadership guy because I was reading all these books. Um, and I was successful in like, you know, launching my, my baby at that church when I was uh, the adult interim guy. My, my true baby was a Sunday night service that was for young adults. And that thing launched and there were a couple hundred people coming. Uh, and I thought, man, this is it. Um, and surely these people see how awesome this is. And this is going to change this church and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, now, what happened was when I didn't get that role and went up to Cincinnati with Geiger, I come back to the church on a Sunday night. I don't know, maybe six to eight months later. And there's maybe 60 people at that service. And what I realized then was I thought I had confused leadership development and leadership placement. So I had placed leaders in spots. I had built a ministry on hustle and personality and placement of people. But I, when I went away, it went away and I literally cried. And half the time I cry when I tell a story because that was when I had the aha moment of Ephesians four, where as a church leader, I did recognize my number one job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If I leave a place and it's decimated, that is not a, a, a testament to my great leadership. That is a testament to my very, very poor leadership. And so it was that, that was my greatest mis misconception that leadership placement and leadership development were, you know, kind of the same thing. So Todd, for those young leaders who are trying to 
hustle and try to do everything on their own, how would you say they should develop their ministry in an Ephesians 4 type of way so that they do practice leadership development, not leadership placement? I would say um, you have to shift from being intuitive to intentional. And a lot of people that are listening to this podcast right now are intuitively good leaders, but that will never get you to where God Mm -hmm. wants you to be. I mean, I was good at, you know, thinking on my feet or I was good at being intuitive, knowing like, like we talked about, oh, this is the way an organization works and yada, yada. No, 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 no. You can get so far on that, but you're not going to take near as many people with you as you will if you do it in an intentional way. So the biggest thing I would say is be a learner and be a teacher, whoever, whatever you're learning, make sure that you have two or three people. And if you're a student pastor, you can do this with students. There's people in, there's pastors in ministry today. Because we, in our model with Geiger and I, we were investing in students as leaders. We wanted them to own the ministry. They weren't just to attend the ministry. They were to grow and serve other students and lead other students. Uh, <clears throat> and I understand there's liabilities and limitations with that. But as you're going, be sure that you're learning and be sure that you're taking people along with you and do it in an intentional way. Have an intentional amount of time that you're going to spend with them uh, on a, a weekly or monthly basis, and then also a limited amount of time. So this is going to be for six months, or this is going to be for a year, and then you are going to go do this same thing with somebody else, um, and, and making sure that they understand that that that's what the commitment is. Hmm. That's good, especially it is easy if you are a leader listening and you're intuitive. It, it is good to. Be intentional and learn how to take those steps. So hopefully you can hear what Todd's saying and implement that in your own life, in your own ministry, whatever that looks like for you. Well, let's move to the quick hitter questions here. And these are going to be short one minute answers. And I'm excited to hear some of these answers. So Todd, what is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get to the office, all that kind of stuff? Um, I'm usually in the office between uh, 7 and 7.30. like almost 7.15 every day. Um, That means I get up between 5.30 and 6. I don't have to set an alarm clock. I just get up because that's the time I always get up, even on the weekend. And so my ideal time is, you know, I wake up, look at what I've got for the day, um, read usually a chapter. Uh, Sometimes I'll listen to multiple chapters of scripture on the way in. a lot of times I'm also talking to pastors on the way in uh, because I didn't mention this before, but I'm a big proponent of, you know, when I am investing in somebody, I usually want to make sure that they value it. And this sounds mm-hmm. really messed up, but I'll say, hey, if you reach out to me on Twitter, I'll talk to you at 630 in the morning. No problem. It's on my way into work. And, <laughs> but you have to be willing to talk at 630 in the morning. Right. Um, so when you're investing in someone, don't be afraid to meet them at Starbucks at 630. And if they want to be there, they'll be there. So, so yeah, I mean, um, Chandler knows this. Then I'm avoiding email the entire day. Uh, <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> I usually have a podcast, honestly, sometime during the day because we do two a week on 5LQ and two a week on New Churches. Those are the other two podcasts. 
Um, and so honestly, it's a mix of leading our team and meeting with um, <clears throat> pastors and their staffs uh, to help them process something. Uh, and then our part of the organization really helps support a lot of other areas uh, in LifeWay with connections and uh, ideas and um, just other ways of supporting them. We're, we are a completely digital team in a uh, older company. And so we're called upon to um, help think through and process a lot of different things. It's good you skipped exercise. <laughs> Sometimes I walk up the stairs. <laughs> oh, well, what's your, uh, what's your favorite personality test? Do you like the Enneagram, oh. Myers-Briggs, anything? I'm still Myers-Briggs guy. Uh, the Enneagram I'm warming up on, it's just really annoying that everybody thinks they know the Enneagram um, after having, you know, spent maybe two hours in a seminar. They, they, they're they arguing with other people about what their numbers are. How dare they? How dare they? All kinds of different things. It's just Can't really break. obnoxious. What's your Myers-Briggs? ENTJP. Like it switches back and forth. I'm right on yep. the cusp of P and J. Same, bro. Really depends Man, on are the you, situation. Are you ENTJ? I'm yeah. ENTJ. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What's your, I think you said, you might have said this before. What's your Enneagram? Eight, seven. Seven. Well, uh, what is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? I have one in mind. I'm, I'm very interested to hear what you say. <laughs> really? Um, I don't know. I would say um, I have a really strong uh, curiosity. Uh, and I know that's not a habit, but I just think it's it's a posture for sure. Uh, and it's a habitual posture that I have. Uh, that armed with a, at all times, with multiple dry erase markers <laughs> is my best habit. I was going to say... Stuff scribbled all over the place, um, and that is because if I have something that pops into my head, I want to remember it, and I usually write it down. Or if I'm explaining a concept to somebody, I usually try to do that visually, and by forcing myself to do that visually, I better understand um, the the problem and the solution. Does that make sense? Yep. I was going to mention I was going to mention your uh, your love for energy drinks and Trenta cold brew coffees from Starbucks. <laughs> well, I I'm off the sauce when it comes to energy drinks. You're off. You the have sauce? Oh, I haven't had one since I was in uh, India for ten days. Uh, Dried out there. Say that where I was, but I was we I was uh, doing some leadership stuff. And um, I couldn't get any. So once I got back, I was like, you know what? This is a good time to stop drinking <laughs> energy drinks. I'm so proud of you. It was bad. I'm so I still drink coffee, though. That's good. We love coffee. When do you find time to read? You're an What'd entrepreneur. You like, when do you find time to read? You're an entrepreneur. You get up early. You talk to pastors in the morning. How do, like, when do you read? How many books do you read? 
I don't read as many books as I used to. And you all think I read more books than I do because what happens is I'm good at dissecting the parts of a book that I need and throwing away mm, the yeah. fat and bone um, really, really quickly. So when I say I'm, I, I read, you know, I read this book, it could mean that I listen to it on, you know, on the way in or way out. Right. Um, but it probably means that I got it and I read <laughs> the first page and last page of every chapter and maybe the first scan, the first uh, line in every paragraph, to make sure I understood what it was. Um, and then if it's good, I'll read that. I'll read it, take multiple notes on it, whatever. Um if it's not, then I just go on to the next thing. And if that happens for multiple chapters, then that book just goes on the shelf. Todd, really enjoyed having you on today. One more question for you. Uh, what one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the very first time? Yeah, I would just say uh, as cheesy as it sounds, just always remember as a, as a leader, your fruit grows on other people's trees. Mm, I love that line one of my favorite quotes and it's not cheesy it's amazing Todd keep saying it keep it pinned forever on the Twitter account don't take it off well Todd thanks for joining us on the podcast today and sharing about your leadership journey and thank you for listening we hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership and if it has head on over to Instagram give us a follow say hey we'd love to connect and it'd also help other leaders like yourself find the podcast we'll see you next time peace peace